0: Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond.
1: Hi, and welcome to Collier's Talks. I'm Darrell Hurst, Senior Managing Director of Brokerage for Collier's in Vancouver. In today's edition, I'm very excited to be joined by two esteemed experts from Vancouver's PCI developments, Jarvis Rulliard, Senior Vice President, Executing Leasing, Acquisition, and Development Strategies, and Dan Turner, Executive Vice President, responsible for PCI's acquisition strategies and project leasing. PCI is a Vancouver-based real estate developer and investor specializing in urban mixed-use, commercial build-to-suits, as well as value-added repositioning of existing buildings. Since its start in 1982, PCI has invested in and or developed over 6 million square feet of real estate including some of Metro Vancouver's most prominent urban landmarks, such as King George Hub in Surrey, Marine Gateway and Crossroads, both in Vancouver. Today we're going to speak on a topic that certainly has been the buzz of the city, not only within the business community and general public at large, but of course the real estate industry, and that is the Broadway plan. The plan is a 30-year plan to integrate new housing, along with employment space for the creation of new jobs as well as the addition of amenities along the Broadway corridor in parts of Kitsilano, Fairview Slopes, and Mount Pleasant. PCI, with its vision and strategy, is right at the forefront of the Broadway plan discussion and action. It's great to have them with us to talk about the plan and its impact on real estate development in conjunction with their game-changing and landmark development that they have under construction at Broadway and Gravel, And what's in store for Vancouver businesses, residents as this plan comes to fruition. Jarvis and Dan, welcome and thank you for joining me this afternoon. Before we dive into specific questions, however, I would like to first and foremost have you explain to our audience your journey of working within the Broadway corridor for more than a couple of decades now, if I'm not mistaken. Perhaps you can walk us through a bit of a timeline from your first development experience in the market, and share with us some of the insights you've gained from that point until now, as you are underway with that landmark creation at the very prominent gateway corner of Broadway and Granville. If you could share what the challenges are that you've encountered with the Broadway plan, as well as opportunities that may have been created. What has been the response from the many stakeholders who are now poised to be drawn to, and hopefully benefit from, this revitalization of the Broadway corridor? So who would like to kick us off?
0: I'll start and I'll start just with going back in history with Crossroads. We bought Crossroads in 2005. I'd love to tell you that we knew about the Broadway plan. We knew about the Broadway extension, but we did actually know about the Canada line or the kind of rumors of the Canada line and Crossroads we bought in 2005. And it was it was an interesting development because it was 20 year old shopping center that when we bought it we knew that we wanted to densify but at the time the zoning was c3a and we had to fight every inch to get to 80 feet and we're just chuckling that if that was today we'd have a 10 fsr which would be three and a half times the size of what we have height wouldn't be as much of an issue but it is what it is at the time we're very proud of crossroads that and broadway and gramble let's just say to an older guy location, 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 just great real estate. It was driven at the time by Andrew Grant and PCI. And it was just two of the great West side corners. Crossroads was 2005. We bought Broadway and Granville RBC building in 2007. And again, I'd love to say that we're just really smart. It was just great real estate. It was an undervalued lease. RBC had the the whole lease. And it was extremely undervalued, retail and office. And so both those sites were on the Broadway line, which for years and years, I hear this, I don't believe it, but I hear it, that Broadway, the B line is the busiest bus line in North America. So from a transit perspective, both sites were phenomenal transit from two major intersections, obviously east-west being Broadway, north-south being Canby and Broadway.
2: To add on to what Dan's comment is, PCI, as you mentioned, Daryl, is kind of we're not limited by size and scope, but we're predominantly known for kind of championing and developing well-executed, design, transit-oriented mixed-use projects across the region. Crossroads of which was one of the first, and I think that one really opened our eyes to one the impact of rapid transit being kitty corner at the time, but also one of the things we really focus and feel that we're well versed in is designing from the ground up. So well-designed, functional, distinct commercial podiums, supporting retail, office, and other job space that really anchors the project and then drives the value of the residential above. That's what we saw very much at Crossroads and having Whole Foods at the table early on and other ones and really focusing on distinct design that differentiates from the tower as well. And then also just in terms of mixed use, eyes on the street, having those mixture of uses from a security perspective. You know, there's a whole bunch of different items like that that we saw at Crossroads and the success of that, that we then transitioned to Marine Gateway and King George and Surrey, and then now to Broadway and Gravel. And then we have another almost 10 sites that are trans-oriented for the future. And when I mean trans-oriented, I don't mean 400 meters from the station. I mean either adjacent or kitty corner to a rapid transit station or a major bus loop. At PCI, we really start with the ground plane.
0: And we're not like a lot of developers 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we're focused on the residential. And the residential is really highest and best use condo back then. And to us, it was the ground plane. And the ground plane being ground and second floor. We like podium. We don't like buildings that basically, as someone in our office likes to call it, they don't go from 10 stories up and slam into the ground. There's a podium, and that podium, we love to start with a food store. We like to start with the amenities because those amenities, as Jarvis touched on, are what really attract an office tenant.
1: Yeah. What's remarkable to me is it just speaks to really the vision that you have for these sites, and these are obviously key sites within the Broadway plan now, being at major arterial and intersections, right, that have so much potential and opportunity, and acknowledging the fact that your development vision preceded the Broadway plan, I mean, really speaks to that vision that PCI does bring to the table. But I'm wondering now, given that the plan was 10 years in the making and it's now more or less come to pass, what are your thoughts on the implications that could have been at Broadway and Canby? And you've touched on a bit of that. And how did you benefit from the Broadway plan, if at all, in transitioning through the development scheme and pro forma and vision for Broadway and Granville? How did that change with the Broadway plan?
2: The Broadway plan is a critical one. It's a much needed step when you're having major Transit infrastructure put out on any area, but out to UBC, I think it was, it was needed. And unfortunately, it took, you mentioned 10 years, but I think the formal process was maybe closer to three, but still took a long time. It was a process. But in terms of benefits, I think that location alone was, and as we know it, the rezoning was actually fast tracked to proceed the Broadway plan because there was deadlines to begin in terms of constructing the, the transit portal and to meet the province's deadlines and things like that. But I, you know, I think the overall benefits the Broadway plan Sustainable development. So that's the mixed use sustainable development at transit stations is the future and also just the public realm obviously needed a huge upgrade along the Broadway corridor. I think that we're going to see that over time and then obviously throughout the corridor and all the areas that it's impacted, there's going to be critical infrastructure upgrades that those projects are going to help pay for. I think there's community benefits, but in terms of Broadway and Granville, I think the Broadway plan help solidify the thesis, but I actually look at it, and our project that actually preceded the Broadway plan helped solidify the Broadway plan thesis as well. The great thing about the Broadway plan is it really recognizes mixed use. And
0: the good thing with mixed use is when we got back involved at Broadway and Gramble, there was a plan for 250, 300,000 foot office building. That's a huge office building for the Broadway corridor, and that's very tough to lease to finance. And especially when you are on the kind of the very west side, the Canby corridor is more akin to having office development than Gramble. And by kind of driving forward the mixed use, you have a much better chance of success of actually getting things built. Because You have a residential component that you can finance off. You've got an office component that's manageable and then you've got a retail component that as we mentioned early on in this is that it's a signature for what we do in that we really will try to do a good retail that will attract the office and that will attract the residential.
1: Did the resulting plan change the use mix within the Broadway and Granville development, or did it just expand it because of the additional density? How did that change as a result of the adoption of the plan, or did it?
2: Allowing us to go up in height, one, allowed us to solidify the decision to go purpose-built rental, which, as we all know, is sorely needed in the city. It also allowed us to offer 20% of it as being moderate income which we're doing that on an east village project as well and we're kind of leading the tip of the arrow on that one but you know i think that's a great program for the city and i think it's it's going to have legs going forward although there will probably need to be tweaks to some of the policies within that but without height those uses aren't they're not penciling and they're not going to get offered
0: again you would have crossroads this zoning was c3a C3A allows three times, you have to earn three times, you get a heritage bonus of 0.3, this is 10. And so it's three times. So as Jarvis says, and C3A has 80 feet, I don't know what our height is, 400 feet. So the Broadway plan had a vision to densify and give the province credit on the Broadway plan because they help push that if we're spending this public infrastructure money to go ahead and put these transit lines in that you know
2: we need to see that municipalities densify and the City of Vancouver densified. Right. I think the other thing to add too is the transit portal is underneath our site now. It wasn't always like that. They originally had the mid-block site and expressed. It was interesting timing on this project because we had an existing bank tenant in an older building that had long-term rights on that building and it kind of happened that all the puzzle pieces came together in a generally the same amount of time where Indeed. that tenant came to us asking to release them from their office obligation they had an office and a retail component to their building and so when that opened the discussion about releasing them from the office we kind of then allowed us to negotiate in an option to say okay we would like an option to relocate you temporarily and if we were able to get the puzzle pieces together to redevelop then we could bring you back in if that kind of conversation didn't happen a lot of this doesn't happen.
0: I'm going to big plug for RBC because that was RBC that allowed us to do that. And to be very candid, RBC was also the tenant that helped facilitate crossroads because the little shopping center that I talked about that we bought, we didn't own the very corner. And that corner was RBC. They owned it and they sold it to us, moved off site and then moved back on site. So they should be given, you know, Kudos, because they facilitated in both instances, they will be back in as a long-term
2: tenant, but signatory developments on the Broadway corridor. Right. So at the, at the same time of RBC, we were able to a transit approach this in the province about moving the station to our site, to the corner. It was all happening at the same time. And I think that, along with knowing the Broadway plan was coming and that they were going to earmark this for being one of the highest sites along that corridor, it all kind of made it made it work
1: Bringing the lens back a little bit, looking at it more holistically um, with with less of a lens to PCI specifically, but the impact on the overall community, the stakeholders, the tenants, other developers, the residents, what do you see as having the biggest impact as a result of this plan. What are the opportunities facing all of those stakeholders? What are the challenges? And how do you, as a developer or anyone else for that matter, who's an owner in that plan, right from Broadway and Gravel all the way out to Mount Pleasant, what are the various differences or the machinations between those sub-areas? And maybe you could just touch on, again, opportunities and challenges that are going to have an impact on all of those
0: stakeholders. That's a wide question. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, every neighborhood's going to have different challenges, I think. You know, if you're a landowner, I mean, there's a lot of different prescriptions in the plan. So two towers per block and a host of other things. So I think it's obviously critical to understand or talk to your Collier's agent about what that plan outlines for your site. But there will be pros and cons. I mean, if you own an existing rental building right now... There's potential that that may get pushed down the line a little bit because there are, you know, are pretty stringent tenant relocation rules within the Broadway plan, a lot for good reason. But some of them are prescriptive to investors coming in and and potentially buying up and assembling existing rental buildings and then displacing a the number of tenants to build taller. From our perspective, right now, a lot of the times the numbers on that they don't work, and I think you know the focus in the near term is likely going to be on sites that don't have predominantly existing renters on site where they're commercial that with older commercial projects with a larger land base that can support a tower. Those will be the focus. I mean, the big one, I think, is because the Broadway plan took three years and perhaps longer, but for three years, there was really a moratorium on rezonings in the Broadway corridor. And so there's pent up demand. And so when, when it was enacted in September 2022, September 1st, the first part of the process is to submit a letter of inquiry, which is basically a, a very, very detailed package now. But it's it's asking for it's kind of giving the outline summary of what a potential rezoning application could look like. And you're really not supposed to apply for a rezoning until you get feedback. That feedback is still hanging out there and, and staff are overwhelmed in that because of that backlog. I think there's over 100 applications in. And so they're going to have to prioritize. I mean, I believe the average annual rezoning application that gets through, I think it's about 30. And so they're going to try and increase that. But that's a lot of applications to sift through. So they're going to have to prioritize. You asked about stakeholders.
0: You asked about people who are there now, residents that are there. I think at the end of the day, what the Broadway plan is going to do is make for a way more walkable, way more complete community as defined by Metro, as defined by the city of Vancouver, which don't always jive together. But, you know, you look at our site. There was an office building there that fit the existing zoning. This is Broadway and Granville that I'm thinking of. You're going to get a food store there. There's a Mine Hearts. God love. It's a Vancouver institution, but it really doesn't do justice to service the whole area. So we're going to have a food store, and that's going to take some pressure off people jumping in cars and going to Whole Foods, East or West, or Safeway. And I think Broadway is, sorry, my perspective, is a bit of a sad street in that it's not a very walkable street. You know, it's not West Forth. West Forth people love, it's, it's walkable. It's got great CRU, it's got great tenants. Broadway in 15 years can be that and can be better because it's longer. It doesn't have a lot of topography. So it's a very walkable street.
1: Great comments. So Dan, then just to pick up on that, What's missing in the Broadway plan as it currently stands? In order for it to look like success in another decade or so, what do you see needs to happen or change? What has the city missed, if anything?
0: A couple of things and then Jarvis can jump in as well. I I think on a lot of Broadway, the city has done a pretty good job. It's mixed use. I don't like where it, it has only office zoning only because Office is incredibly hard to make numbers work. I think that where it has office, they should bonus with some residential that if you build the office, you get the right to do some residential if you have a big enough site, because that will induce someone to build more office. And to be very candid, it'll be cheaper office, because you'll be able to accept a less return because you have the, the residential. I think where the city may have missed a little bit is, and this is kind of again, so if I get backlash, this is Dan Turner. I think Mount Pleasant, there's been such a focus on the retention of industrial land. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, we need industrial land, we need it in close proximity to downtown, especially the service downtown. But Mount Pleasant has you know three levels of industrial. To get your full zoning, you need three levels of industrial. That's gonna be very hard to do. It's also a very walkable area especially I'm going to call it the the West portion from mid to West is very walkable. Why you are putting industrial uses at grade. There should be a predominance of retail because it's so walkable. And I think there will be little bits of retail, but there should be more retail. And lastly, wherever there's office coming back to Broadway, but I go to Great Northern Way, the same thing. We have to get out of the mindset of office only areas office only areas don't work. I won't mention a project that's in Richmond, but it is a great example. God love the project. It was a fantastic office park at one time, but it doesn't have the amenities, doesn't have the transit to drive. If you really want office in today's day and age, what you really want to do is to make sure that you've got lots of residential and when I say residential, it can be rental. The city's going to need condo in some places because they need the CAC exactions, the money off that, but all of it works together with retail office on its own. Sure. You can have a sandwich shop. You can have a coffee shop and it's nine to five, five days a week down at Falls Creek Flats. We have a great number of sites with our partners, Low Tide, and they have phenomenal views. They're very linear but they're going to need a mixture of uses to be really successful.
2: Yeah. And I would just totally echo those comments. And I think, you know, this is a 30 year plan as Dan and I were just talking about earlier. And Crossroads is the great example. That was bought in 2005 completed in 2008, I believe 15 years ago. That's already very outdated in terms of height. Let's say story building and you know, you should be well above that now. And so hopefully the Broadway plan is we're going to keep revisiting it and be flexible with it because there's no doubt that things will change. And height is one. I mean, there's ranges in there. And I think if you've got a well-amenitized, high-end community benefit, high-end use, uses that we need being life science, being purpose-built rental, being other community uses that the community direly needs, let's go to the high end of that range, if not more. And there's a lot of instances where you're seeing density numbers and the heights don't match where, you know, there's a height limit and you're, there's no way you can reach the density or vice versa. And I think there just needs to be that little bit of flexibility on city staff level where rationale will take over and for the good of the project and for the good of the community, we'll see some of these through. Jarvis brings up a really good
0: point on height in Mount Pleasant. You got a 150 foot height limit. And what happens and it happened on west 2nd where when you have prescribed height limits you squash what's below life science has a requirement 14 15 feet slab to slab whereas typical office has 11 6 to 12 feet well a lot of developers are going to go wow we can throw an extra floor we can throw an extra two floors if we go general office versus we go to life science and life science is The latest flavor of the month with what's happened in the last three years so we are on our mount pleasant site we're certainly looking at life science but we don't want to be prescribed what it is and that's something that i think is an issue also sometimes with the city is they get a little too zealous on telling the market what works and what doesn't work you're old enough uh, daryl to remember where the hospital is now schroeder And his site, which was a phenomenal site, and he got caught up with prescribed use that didn't fit, didn't work, and never got built. It was a good thing for the new hospital, but it was a bad thing for him. It was an unfair thing. You look at Railtown with prescribed uses, doesn't work. Hopefully, we don't get too prescribed. Right now, it's looking kind of prescribed in Mount Pleasant.
2: The economy and the impact in real estate and all types of job spaces has changed so much, even in the last three to four years. That just proves that prescribing does not work. It doesn't last.
0: The one thing I would add to that, City of Vancouver is very good at employment zones and stuff like that. But the one thing on the employment zones, today is a totally different era of trying to build an office building. I think if we tried to build an office building right now, people would go, what planet are you from? And we probably have the largest amount of office because we really believe in it long term. But with that long term, you know, it's going to take a while to get there. And I think there shouldn't be impediments in the marketplace to trying to pre lease or lease new office buildings. So
1: let's just stay with that for a moment. I don't wanna take up too much more of your time, but let's just assume for a minute that uh, city staff are part of our audience today. You've touched on it in a couple of different facets with your comments and the realities of the prescription zoning. So who currently under the guidelines of the Broadway plan, who's gonna be drawn to live, work and play under these areas within the plan? And who's missing? So you you touched a little bit about the industrial side of things, and you touched a little bit on, you know, the livable, workable, walkable community and the need for more retail. But who's drawn and who's missing from the equation?
0: Young people are drawn to it. We hear it from tenants that you need to be in the city of Vancouver. You need to be in Mount Pleasant. You need to be downtown. Hopefully you need to be Broadway, you will need to be at uh, Great Northern Way, and that's the City of Vancouver address. Why? Because they have the amenities, they have the restaurants, they have the nightlife, they've got the lifestyle, they have everything in a very, let's call it, hopefully close, complete community. And so those young people coming out of school or been in the workplace for five years, it's set up i think for that because it's that walkable rideable type community i think it will be good for empty nesters leaving their single family homes on the west side because they want a walkable community they want to be able to walk to get a coffee they want to be able to walk they're a lot more active than my parents were or your parents so i think that they want that today i'm not
2: sure what else no i think that was a great answer i mean i think it's tough to try to think of who's missing i mean the only thing i can think of really of who's missing is just you know in certain areas again with the prescribed uses you're kind of prescribing out certain uses so for example with mount pleasant yes we need to preserve the industrial nature in certain areas of that district but if we're also going to be inviting and densifying in life science and tech and other, and other kind of office uses and and creative industrial uses to be in the new economy we're going to need retail and it does touch on it in the broadway plan our concern is that that retail may get pushed to the second or third floor, which in our opinion doesn't doesn't work. That just goes against the creation of a great active public realm. Just looking at
1: the creation of this additional density in the prescribed zones, do you see any emerging trends developing as a result? And are you trying to incorporate any of these emerging or niche uses into let's say either Broadway and Granville or, more specifically into
0: your Mount Pleasant site? First thing is, and and we touched on it earlier, is ceiling heights. We even went general office on Great Northern Way with low tide to a 13-foot, three-inch slab to slab because we wanted to make sure the right to light with all the stuff going on with energy performance in design in the city of Vancouver, that that right to light is so important two tenants, two staff, and so we went higher. Again, it can cause problems because you can lose a floor when you do that. I think better air systems obviously is, with COVID has shown that the new buildings are outperforming old buildings, better amenities, better retail, complete communities. I really think that the city wants its employment zones, but bonus those employment zones that if you build the zoning, the maximum zoning allowed on office, allow them to do a rental tower. If
2: they have a site big enough, because that will help, you won't need the same pre-lease commitment. Just to add to Dan, I'd say parking is the other one, the reduction of parking. I think the demand for parking has gone down over time. There's no two ways about it. And so I think a lot of the sites that we're looking at and designing to have lower parking ratios obviously subject to the city allowing such thing, which they seem to be open to. And just to agree with Dan, I think, you know, Broadway and Granville, that project, it is the future. It's kind of a combination of the mixed use transit, that stuff that we've done in the past and, the, and that other successful developers have done, but it is true mixed use over top of a train station, fully integrated. And I think it's gonna be a great example for the future of where we need to sustainably develop in the city. And to
0: add to that, one of the great things about vancouver is and i truly believe this kind of knowing what's transpired around north america vancouver leads north america in mixed use we do a great job of it because the development community understands the value of the retail it's not an afterthought that you know the column spacing and things like that are designed so that you could put a food store into it and that you're not driving columns right from the residential tower which has a much closer design structurally than a food store would ever want. Vancouver, especially Vancouver developers get that. And Toronto, I remember we were talking to some Toronto tenants and we were asking, this is three years ago, pre-COVID, just before COVID, what are some examples of some mixed use that we can look at? And this was a guy who represented winners, Marshalls, and he said, Dan and Jarvis, you guys don't need to look at anything because Toronto needs to learn from Vancouver on mixed use and how you prioritize retail. Amazing. My uh, second to last question was uh, going to bring it all
1: back about the premise and really the origin of our conversation today is about uh, the Broadway plan. But really the bigger picture is, you know, and it's something that Colliers is really uh, thinking seriously about and how we advise our clients notably developers as well as occupiers within these developments, and that's really building the cities of the future. And so I thank you for your commentary around mixed-use development, Vancouver, and and us being a leader in that arena. I think that's super relevant. So I'll throw you a softball as the very last question of the afternoon. What's next for PCI?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Execute, 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 I would say. As I mentioned, I think our team's been really successful in kind of building a stable of assets to kind of develop over the long-term with great long-term partner visionaries, which is great. Obviously, Broadway and Granville is under construction right now. We have a couple hundred rental units, including moderate income, also at East Village, which I mentioned, at uh, Hastings and Boundary. We also just broke ground on a mid rise purpose built rental unit on the Arbutus Greenway. We're under construction on just under 900 condo units out in King George Hub, which is our fourth phase of King George Hub out in Surrey. And we're hoping to get under construction underway on a purpose built rental building, Kitty Corner from Oak Ridge this year. So our construction team is very, very busy. So then our focus now is to really, really drive forward on kind of our Broadway plan, the letters of inquiry and the pre zonings. So we've got a handful of applications in with our partners. And just kind of getting the next kind of round set up. We've got a tough economy ahead. I think we've got to really, the industry's got to advocate, industry with PCI and others have really got to advocate and. and and partner with the city because we've got to de-risk these investments, not increase risk and increase costs right now. Interest rates are going up and the risk-adjusted return expectations are getting higher and higher. So I think that's kind of a risk, but that's a short-term risk. It's, it's going to come and go, but we have to see through that. And so we're getting our other projects prepared and ready to execute. If I could just add one
0: thing on the risk side, is construction costs. Everyone knows that construction costs have been very high. Construction costs are not going to go back to where they were. There's too many labor agreements and that have been signed. If some condos and rental buildings and office buildings aren't built, right now there's a tremendous amount of volume in the public sector with the hospitals and that. And that's a big concern is we need to get construction workers in to supplement the construction workers we have if not a lot of these things will not be built because construction costs are going to remain at a very high level
1: gentlemen thank you for your time thank you for your insights thank you for really uh your robust conversation around the broadway plan the challenges and the opportunities really appreciate your input
0: today and thank you again thank you thank you colliers thank you daryl hurst Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks Podcast. To learn more about Collier's Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit collierscanada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.